Hey, welcome to the Word Weaver podcast, a place dedicated to the powerful web words weave and the deep layers they uncover. Here you'll find a compilation of tips, tricks, and words of wisdom from writers, authors, creatives, and entrepreneurs. Basically, cool people doing cool things in the world and how they've used words as weapons of mass creation and inspiration. You'll also hear from me, your host, Louise Johnson. I'm a former marketing maven in New York and Switzerland. I left a lucrative job to follow my dream of becoming a writer. It's a never-ending journey, so I figured we should all be in it together. I've learned a lot along the way, but it's a constant evolution. My favorite part is how little by little, letters turn into words, words become sentences, sentences become paragraphs, and before you know it, you've created something from nothing. And whenever that happens in life, it's nothing short of magic. So grab a coffee or a glass of wine, and let's dive into today's chapter. Welcome back to the Word Weaver podcast. You are listening to chapter 30. And today I'm going to talk about seven things nobody tells you about being a writer. This is a fun one I've wanted to do for a while. Before I started my writing career, I was pretty naive. I had no idea what I was getting into and how long this process took, what it took. But I think that's kind of the beauty of it that I didn't really know what I was doing and I learned all of this as I went along. Books and movies make the whole idea of being a writer so romantic. Just picture the cabin in the woods or like a Virginia Woolf character sitting at her desk with a feather pen. And if I'm being perfectly honest, deep down I fully bought into that romantic notion. I pictured myself pouring a cup of tea, coffee, lighting my candle, sitting in my cabin in the woods and the words just flowing out of me and magically rearranging themselves into the perfect plot and structure and bam i'm a new york times bestseller i mean maybe i didn't think that far in advance but i at least thought that i could write a pretty decent draft and while the writing of a book might take three months for me it took a lot longer than that it's the whole journey of getting an agent getting a publisher the editing process There are so many milestones and hurdles that I never understood, and I only got a grasp on them when I saw them up close. But I do think writing your first book is one of those things you have to experience it to fully understand it. So even if I read books or people warned me about certain things, I kind of, I was like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. But until I got to that hurdle or that obstacle or that next milestone, I didn't fully grasp the weight of what I was getting into until I was there. And that's okay. And that's part of the exciting journey of becoming an author. I would do the whole thing a million times over because I truly believe everyone has a story in them. Everybody has a book inside of them. And with enough grit, determination, you will succeed at it. The following seven items are just a few of the things I wish I'd known and that I wish other people could understand about what it is that we do as writers. The first thing nobody tells you about being a writer is that it is a grind. It is a job. It is work. Those romantic notions in movies and books, typing away at a typewriter by candlelight as an orchestra swells in the background is lovely, But that's not really what our day-to-day looks like. Just like any other job, you have to show up every single day. It's a routine. And even if you don't feel like writing, you're unmotivated, you're feeling uninspired, 
You still have to sit your butt in the chair and be present, show up for your characters, show up for your future audience, and most importantly, show up for yourself and follow through with the promise that you made internally to finish this book, to write the book you've always wanted to write. If you treat it like a hobby, it'll never be anything more than that. So if you treat it like a job, it'll pay you like a job. It's kind of like that Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hour thing. The more time you devote routinely to a practice, to a craft, the more you'll perfect it, you'll become an expert at it, and you'll reap the rewards from your efforts. One of my favorite things when I hear authors speak after they've published their books is about their craft, about their process, and their method of getting it there. I once heard Madeline Miller speak. She's the author of Circe. And I couldn't believe it took her seven years to write this book. It wasn't her first book, but it took her that long and that many hours to perfect the words, get the characters right, the plot. And for her, writing is an old hat. She knows what she's doing. She's published many books before. And she admitted that the process of writing Cersei wasn't always fun. It was work. She had to keep showing up when she almost fell out of love with the manuscript. She took a short break when she needed to from that manuscript. She put it in a drawer, worked on another project, but never forgot about it and came back to it. And she said without routine, without that daily time slot of working on that book, it never would have seen the light of day. So even though she couldn't see the finish line, she couldn't have predicted this is how it would have turned out. She treated it like a job and it rewarded her as such. The only slight difference about another regular job is at a corporation, you'll get a project, but it usually won't take you seven years to complete that one project. It might be a month or a week. Years later, I was still editing parts of my life when I was 18 that I had completely moved out of that phase of my life, but when I wrote those words, they were so powerful, and I just thought it was so funny. In no other job would you still be working on the same corporate project five years out, only as a writer, only as an author, so it's kind of interesting. And that brings me to my second point, While you might treat it like a job, other people will likely treat it like a hobby. I love my friends and family. I'm sure your friends and family are amazing too. They don't mean it. It's all harmless. All of these people truly do support you, support us in our writing. There's a difference between supporting someone and fully understanding what they do. My boyfriend works in elevator maintenance sales. I don't fully understand what he does every single day, but I support him in his work. The only thing is that a lot of our friends and family might support us, but they don't always understand that this is our work. To seriously dedicate your time and efforts to writing a book, it has to be top priority. It has to be a full-time job in some sense. Even if you're working a nine to five and squeezing in your writing on the bookends of your day, it's just as valid, just as important as any other job, and it should be one of your highest, if not your highest priority. Although they mean well, people will often treat writing like a hobby only because there's not one clear route to success as a writer. There's not always a guarantee that the book will be published and when. So all of these unknowns, it's in human nature, to prioritize what is safe and writing a book is often viewed as a risky endeavor because the rewards are not always guaranteed. 
on a specific timeline, and everyone's path to success looks different, so there's not a clear role model to follow every single time. In the beginning of this process, I was working a full-time job. In between, I have taken on a part-time job to make ends meet. Writing was squeezed into the bookends of my day, in the middle of my day. Part of the journey, I was able to make it my full priority. But even then, when writing was my full-time job, a lot of people thought I was just twiddling my thumbs, unemployed, living the lax life watching Netflix at home. Meanwhile, I felt like I was burning out working 24-7 because I didn't have an off button. I would just keep writing and writing, trying to get the draft and the editing done as quickly as possible. It's really challenging when people treat your full-time job and your priority as a cute pastime because it's hard to ignore all the noise. And when the majority of the people that you care about are saying the same thing, that's when self-doubt can start to creep in and you can wonder, hey, maybe they're right. Maybe this is just a waste of time and I shouldn't be devoting so much energy towards it. The voice in your head might go into overdrive. Mine did at least, and it still does on occasion. It's really tempting to go for after work drinks or for a lunch date or out for dinner on weekends or to cuddle up on the couch and watch a Netflix show or to have a Zoom call or a phone call. You will want to do all of those things because we're hardwired to want to socialize and communicate with our friends and family. The instant gratification of those activities will sometimes sound far more rewarding than sitting alone at home again on another Saturday night, banging out words on your keyboard with no guarantee of it ever going anywhere. There were so many times I was tempted to abandon my work in progress and go meet for an after work drink or take a midday break and grab a coffee with a friend who was working nearby. But I had to keep reminding myself that my hours and my workday looks a lot different than a typical nine to five job, especially depending on how you calendar block your writing time. For those that do work a nine to five job on top of writing their manuscript, those peak hours of when everyone else is socializing, so evenings and weekends, is your writing time. That is also when you're working. Often my best writing is done late into the night, during the dinner hour, and full days on a sunny weekend. All of the time slots when most people are taking a break from work and relaxing is when you're just jumping into high gear. I had to make a lot of sacrifices and say no to a lot of things that I really did want to do in order to protect my writing time. I know it sounded crazy to people when I would say, no, I can't meet for a quick coffee or sorry, I can't have a quick phone call tonight because even the process of walking to the coffee shop, walking home, completely disrupted the writing flow that I was in and it took me 10 times longer to get back into what I was doing. Not only that, But because of the way I calendar blocked my writing time, usually those peak hours of when other people want to socialize were the peak hours of when I got my best writing work done. So I was still on the clock. I was still working. And however short and harmless those little mini interruptions are during your workday, even if you're in an office cubicle and somebody comes and stops by your desk for 5, 10, 15 minutes, it takes you double that amount of time to get back into whatever you were working on previously. And all of those little disruptions 
add up and prevent you from fully immersing in the work you're trying to accomplish that, quite frankly, takes a lot of mental energy. Some tasks are more mindless, but writing a book is a marathon of mental stamina. And the more you're distracted or interrupted, the harder and longer it will take to complete and the easier it will become for you to abandon your manuscript altogether. It's very hard for me as a people pleaser to not be liked and I feel so guilty for turning off my phone and keeping it in a drawer, always saying no to plans, being unavailable and hard to get a hold of. And sometimes no matter how many times I tried to preemptively warn people that I would be off the grid writing or these are my working hours or my writing hours look a little different than yours, People would often say they got it in the moment, but you know when they raise the eyebrow and you can kind of tell that they are just saying they understand, but they don't fully get it and they still think you're kind of being rude? I just had to learn to get comfortable with making other people uncomfortable sometimes. I think that's part of why they say writing is lonely work, because it can be hard to explain and people are generally understanding when you gently remind them, but that doesn't mean they'll ever fully understand. And that's okay, you don't need them to understand, you just need them to be a little more understanding that this is a full-time job, it takes a lot of mental energy, and you're not trying to be rude, you're just trying to work during your working hours. It'll all be worth it when you can invite your friends and family to your book launch party and send them signed copies of your book and you can say, this is why I was a crappy friend for a couple years, thanks for still being here. The third thing that nobody tells you about being a writer is the fact that imposter syndrome doesn't ever go away. You just have to learn to deal with it. It is super scary to take the leap to write a book and telling people this is what you're doing is also terrifying. The big old fear of rejection will rear its ugly head. You'll ask yourself, what if I fail? What if I don't finish? What if it never gets published? What if I never get an agent? A million kajillion what ifs underlying the fear of failure and the fear of rejection. And that's where imposter syndrome creeps in. You'll think you're not good enough. You never should have tried this in the first place. It truly is an act of courage and a practice of continually ignoring that little demon inside your head that says, no one will read this. Trust me, they will. You will find your audience. Your writing is way better than you think. And nobody has to see your first draft. There's always editing. The author and poet Rupi Carr is currently writing her third book. And I've heard her mention on Instagram how she's struggling with writing her third book and struggling with imposter syndrome because of the pressure to recreate the magic of her first two New York Times bestselling books. I mean, we all know it's going to be amazing and another bestseller, but even somebody as successful as her struggles with imposter syndrome. So just know you're not alone and you just got to kind of live with it and know that it's all part of this incredible journey. Number four is that writing is the biggest act of vulnerability. Even the best writers think they are terrible 99% of the time, but that 1% of the time you'll reread your work and go, eh. It's not that bad. And those are the moments we live for. We live for that 1% of the time where we think, hmm, I should keep going. I should keep doing this. I was meant to be a writer. I would be weary of any writer or author who seriously thought they were the best writer in the entire world. 
To write is a humble act of vulnerability. It is the most subjective craft in the entire world. It's not like a math equation. There's no right or wrong answer. And everybody is going to bring their own life experiences to your work when they read it. Even as the writer and the author of your own work, you'll bring your own experiences from that day to whatever you're writing and whatever you're rereading. That's why I find if I put something in the drawer and I come back to it in a couple months when I'm in a better headspace and I've had some time to let it marinate, I'll see my own work with a whole new perspective. And I wrote it. I should be the one to understand exactly what I meant. So if you hate your writing every now and then, all it means is you're on the right track. It shows you're able to view your own work critically, hopefully not too critically, or else it'll prevent you from putting words on the page, but at least you can relish in the fact that you were vulnerable enough to put yourself out there. Number five is that writer's block is a myth. People talk about writer's block all the time, but it truly is a myth. It's just a fancy way of saying procrastination. The thing is, you've got to train yourself to believe that writer's block is a myth. It just means you're A, not clear on the direction your story is going. In that case, review your roadmap, your outline, what is the next hurdle or milestone the character needs to face in your plot. If you still can't figure that out, jump ahead to a scene near the end of the book, something that is really concrete in your mind, and that usually jump starts this thing we call writer's block where really it just means you're not clear on the direction you're going b it can also mean there's not enough conflict or tension in your story chronologically you might feel stuck try to fill in the blanks as best you can jump ahead like i said but that feeling of writer's block could also mean that your story is getting a little flat. There needs to be conflict, a big moment of tension, and this can be psychologically, internally, or externally, like a hurricane or an avalanche, some sort of natural disaster, or throw in a murder, a cheating husband, something to raise the stakes of the book. And that usually kickstarts your writing drive. And if you're filled with that anticipated, tension and action, then likely your reader will too. If you find yourself procrastinating or stuck on where to go next, ask for advice, get feedback, take a break from this writing project and write something else. Just don't give up. The sixth thing that nobody tells you about being a writer is you will spend most of your time in the editing trenches. Not gonna lie, I thought my second draft was it. After some light editing, it was perfect, it was ready to go, but not even freaking close. My first book was rearranged, pulled apart, and put back together, edited in so many different ways by a lot of different people. Honestly, it gets even more challenging with a lot more chefs and editors in the kitchen, beta readers, my agent had an idea, my editor, the publisher... Everyone comes to your book with a slightly different viewpoint. And you'll likely spend more time editing your book than you ever did writing it in the first place. I never truly believed that until I lived it. Editing is a necessary evil. Some people love it, some people hate it, but try to get really comfortable with the idea because you will spend a lot of your time in the editing trenches. 
The seventh thing is that writers write because of a deep underlying calling for the craft that cannot be explained nor ignored. There's no other way to put it. Even when writing is challenging and demoralizing and you question why you do it, that pure, unadulterated love for words, stringing them together, the image of holding a book in our hands is what keeps us going when it seems impossible. Writers live for those states of flow when a paragraph or a sentence is just so delicious you could eat it. It's that tingling sensation you feel deep down in your bones that can't be explained in words, the very thing that we're called to do. The journey isn't always easy or pretty, but it's worth it on a soul level. There are so many things that nobody tells you about being a writer. Those are just the seven that I wanted to share with you today. I'm sure you'll come across a few more of your own as you go along in this writing adventure. And just know I'm with you every step of the way. That's it for today's chapter of the Word Weaver podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes at louiseclairjohnson.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Instagram at wordweaverpodcast. If you like what you heard today, I would love it if you considered leaving a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps more people find out about the Word Weaver. Until next time! I had a wait with words.